Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, sweet babe. Listen, I owe you an apology because... I am so late with this podcast episode. It's Diana Jebbia, by the way, the host of the Believe in Bravo Besties podcast. Here is what's up. I went to visit my family while I am visiting them cross country. And between being home, seeing people, going into my office, it's just been a crazy week. So you're getting this episode a little later than expected. But guess what? Good things come to those who wait. This is going to be a fun episode. we got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about Vanderpump Rules. Of course, lots of difficult conversations happening on the last episode, by the way. Um, and Dorit Kemsley and the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills reunion. We have to talk about how insane it was that she was robbed after there were just so many conversations about robberies on that episode. My heart goes out to her and her whole family. Regardless what you think of her, that shit is messed up. Okay? I'm getting ahead of myself. Before we get into all that, I do want to remind you to follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Diana Jebbia, G-E-B-B-I-A. And of course, make sure you're following Believe at Believe Podcasts, B-L-E-A-V, and Believe Pop Culture. So how's your week going? Mine's pretty good. Like I said, I came out to visit family. Um, as soon as I got in last Saturday, two of my best friends came over. My mom made calzone, which is delicious. I talked about it on my episode with Samaj, I think. I don't remember. But if you don't know what calzone is, it's literally fried or baked dough with mozzarella and ricotta cheese in the middle. Oh, my God. To die for. I wish you could all have my mom's calzone. There's nothing like it. I hate like being morbid, but whenever anyone's like, what would your last meal be? It would be my mom's calzone for sure. So good. I hate being morbid as I watch serial killer documentaries. We're just thinking out loud here for a second. It's it's currently 950 in the morning on a Saturday where I am. um, And some of my electronic clocks are three hours behind and it's at 650. So I feel like my brain's in early mode and you know whatever it's early we're just we're just laying it all out I got my coffee I hope you have your drink of choice you and me we're having a gossip sesh how about we spill some bravo tea okay why don't we do that and as I do that hold on I need to move my table up so I can easily access my coffee take a sip of that coffee of the gods okay let's spill some bravo tea This was the craziest news. So this was the day after the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills reunion aired. Um, Dorit Kemsley was robbed. And it wasn't just any robbery. I mean, of course, all robberies are bad. But she was held at gunpoint while her kids were sleeping in the other room. Okay, can you just think for a second What must have been going through her mind? We know she loves her kids more than anything. I think she got a lot of flack the first season for having multiple nannies, but screw that. She does love her kids. It's very highly apparent she does. Her husband, PK, was in London at the time, so she's alone in the house. These intruders come in, and they're like, hey, you know, pulls her gunpoint, like, we're going to kill you uh, while your kids are in the house. 
just beyond. I can't imagine what was running through her head. Um, I think it was TMZ said that she was saying, like, I'm a mom. Please don't hurt me. She led them to her valuables. I think they made off with a bunch of her jewelry and handbags. But the good news is she's okay. The kids were unharmed, and that's really all that matters. Um, There's a lot to unpack here. Uh, First of all, I just saw this article from page six where Teddy accused Dana Wilkie. Remember Dana Hot Mess, what it was like, $25,000 sunglasses. Um, I think Kim Richards called her Pam or Brandy called her Pam when she was on season two or three as a friend of on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Yeah, so Teddy accused her of putting her into danger. Let's dive into this. Mellencamp suggested on Instagram, this is from page six again, Thursday, that Wilkie, who has appeared as a friend of on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, put Dorit Kemsley in danger by posting about her before the fashion designer was reportedly held at gunpoint in a home invasion. Okay, this is what Teddy is saying. I hope you sleep really well tonight. You put her and her kids in danger by posting this. Disgusting. So Teddy is saying that Dana posted a snap of a deposition that Dorit was involved in that showed Kemsley's LLC, which apparently, oh, well, the link is removed, so I can't, they, they took that post down, so I can't see it exactly, but what I'm gathering in is that it was some hint of her address, it wasn't her exact home address, um, and then Dana said, guess why I'm posting this. <sighs> so stupid. Um... PK commented on it saying the deposition is a normal statutory document and Wilkie shared a photo of it to create drama and get attention. (sighs) Yeah, so um, I think they were deposed about an LLC, so like one of their brands, and it was named after their address, but it wasn't their true address. But having that information out there, of course, means anyone can find you. So I do agree with what Teddy was saying, like it put her in danger. I had to take a sip of coffee there. Can we talk about how on the reunion, Lisa Renna, the topic of her dresses in the garage came up and uh, someone was like, hey, shouldn't you move those before you get robbed? And Andy was like, oh, I texted her to do that. Um, I told her to get out of there. And then they brought up Kyle's robbery and everything. How I don't want to say ironic because I don't think that's the definition, but what an eerie coincidence that after all this robbery talk, all of a sudden Dorit is robbed, like, literally that night after it airs. Like, when I woke up and I saw that news, like, I got chills in all the wrong places. Like, not, that sounds wrong, but I mean, like, chills, like, spooky chills. Like, I don't like this chills. Bad chills. I just felt so bad for her. I love Dorit, but like I said, regardless of how you feel about her, it's messed up. It's so messed up. And then I had heard, I listened to the Hey Babe podcast with um, Sal Volcano and Chris Stefano, who they're two comedians. They're hysterical. But they had mentioned that morning as I was getting ready for work that there's been an increase in home invasions in Beverly Hills. Now, Dorit lives in Encino, which is a little bit further away from Beverly Hills. But like just knowing all this, what we heard from the reunion, hearing that, and then she got robbed. Like it was just an eerie set of circumstances um pk has uh, made a comment about everything let me pull up his instagram i like pk a lot 
I do. I know he's gotten some shit the first couple of seasons he was on. I think this season he's been the voice of reason almost about everything going on with Erica. It's clear that he's a supportive husband. I think they're a strong couple. They never have any marital issues. They're a good team. But this is what he said about the incident. He said, Dear friends and followers, I would like to thank you all for your kind words of support. Dorit and myself have been overwhelmed by the show of love. We can't respond to every message. I can't even respond to all the texts and WhatsApps. So I wanted to tell you all that we're doing okay. I'm home and we're all together and we'll get through this. The babies are great. They are totally unaware. Okay, good. And life is going to return to normal, hopefully very quickly. Much love, PK and Dorit. I'm glad that the kids are okay throughout all this because could you just imagine for a second like had they been aware they're so young these are very formative years like this would have messed them up this would have messed their interactions up with people and not trusting and worrying about their parents constantly so I'm glad they're unaware of everything I'm glad they're unharmed I'm sending all my love to them I just I just can't um Another thing to unpack about all this, I heard somewhere that they were filming. They had started filming and then everyone returned. And then we saw Erica, Kyle, and I forgot who else, maybe Sutton, go check on Dorit. So I'm wondering if this is going to be a storyline. I hate saying, oh, this is going to be a storyline, but like, because it's so much more than that, obviously, but for lack of a better way to put it, like I'm wondering if we're going to see this unfold. Maybe that's a better way to put it next season. Which is, again, has got to be hard. I know I'm thinking out loud here. A lot of this is me like computing this out loud, talking it out with you because that's what we do as besties. But if you were robbed, right? Let's take for a second, God forbid, knock on wood. If you were robbed and you were on a TV show, would you want to come back to work right away? I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could because just knowing that my house is on TV, like that's she's got to be dealing with so much right now. So much. I think that's all the Bravo tea I wanted to spill. I know it's like I spent a lot of time on this. I just my heart goes out to Drury and her whole family. This was kind of a shocker to wake up to. I did want to tell you, though, right after the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills reunion aired, I had a dream that I was invited to a cast dinner. So it was Kyle's cast dinner in my dream. This didn't actually happen. Kathy was there. Dorit was there. Rena was there. Crystal was there. I don't remember if Sutton was there or not. And Erica noticeably was not there in my dream. It was this really fancy dinner. Like, the table settings were gorgeous. I remember hanging out with Dorit and Crystal the most. Um, They were so much fun in my dream. For some reason, Crystal was wearing, like, a Mia Wallace from Pulp Fiction-inspired wig. And I don't know if that's because I'm being Mia for Halloween. That, like, that was just lingering in my brain. But I just kept saying, oh, my God, Crystal, your wig looks so good. And she was like, thanks. And... I don't know. We were like looking around. I I feel like there was also jewelry for sale at this dinner. Maybe it was like one of those jewelry parties they've done. I don't know. But she and I were like looking at the jewelry and absolutely hit it off. She's an Aquarius. I'm an Aquarius. So it checks out. But in my dream, I remember the producers because this was being filmed for the show. It was going to be unveiled that like 
like cash trip and I don't remember where they were going in my dream but they were going to get invited in this dinner and I was so excited because at everyone's place setting there was an envelope and in my dream that's where um the invitation to the trip was going to be and I didn't I don't think I thought I was going to be invited but I thought I was going to have the invitation for the trip but just not be invited to the trip um and I was like yes I'm gonna like hang on to this and get it framed and this is gonna be such a cool piece of Bravo history to have and I remember everyone's plates like they opened up their letters and they all had the trip but I did not have it but what I did have was this gorgeous real diamond necklace that Kyle gave me in my dream and she was like showing me she's like look look at all the diamonds and then she like put it on me and and everyone was like wow this is so beautiful so I guess I made it out bigger than a cash trip but yeah that was my dream it didn't happen in real life I when I woke up I was like oh damn I didn't hang out with any of them have you ever had a dream like that just where it seems so real and then you wake up and you're like bummer I wish that was real. I wish that was real life or the opposite. Have you ever had a dream where someone pisses you off so much in your dream? Like I had a dream when I was with my ex that he he had this like friend growing up. Sorry, I'm like airing everyone's dirty laundry out. He had this friend growing up. Um, they were very close. She was a girl. And I remember in the beginning of our relationship, I was like kind of jealous of her because she never like reached out to say hi to me or anything. I'm like, mm, it's kind of weird. But I had a dream he cheated on me with her. And I woke up and I was so pissed off at him. Like when he texted me, I was just like one word answering him like, Ugh. but of course he didn't. I have to clear his name. He did not cheat on me then. Who knows? Anyway, I digress. Here I am digressing. Let me take a take a sip of this coffee. She's messy today, and I'm so sorry. I hope you're following along. I hope you're appreciating the mess that is me. Totally time zone confused. Messy hair in a bun. Just talking the shit about Bravo. Shooting the shit. See, can't even get my sayings right. But that's what besties do. I like to think of this as like you slept over my house. We woke up. We just had bagels and coffee, and we're talking about Bravo, Okay. All right. Um, I did want to get a little bit more into the Beverly Hills reunion because Erica is unfolding even more than she already was. She was unfolding quite a bit there. But the big thing this episode was um, people were accusing Erica of saying like she's the victim in all this, which to be fair... She is acting victimly. Listen, I get it. It must be hard to be married to someone. Let's say she didn't know about it. Let's give her the benefit of the doubt. She had no idea this was going on. It's got to be hard knowing someone betrayed you and you're used to living a certain lifestyle and you have to go and change all that in the blink of an eye. I have compassion for that. If she didn't play an active role in all this, I can have compassion for that. The fact that she didn't mention the victims, which she did say... Her lawyers advised her, like, because anything she says can be misconstrued. And I totally get that. I'm a huge true crime fan. I know that it's better to just not talk because they can take anything you say and flip it and turn it against you. So I get that. But what if she worked with her lawyers to formulate a response about the victim? She should have just acknowledged them in some way, shape or form on the show. Should we say alleged victims? I don't even know. I don't even know if it's been proven he embezzled yet. It's very, this whole thing is so hairy. 
Um, but hold on. I'm looking at Vulture now, and I do want to read this ep- excerpt from this article. So... On part three of the four-part special, which aired on October 27th, Jane spoke more directly. Hold on. They're calling her Jane. Her last name's Girardi. I guess that's why. Remember when she posted that story and it just said Girardi? I guess reasons like this are why. But anyway, back to the quote. Jane spoke more directly than ever before about the scandal's alleged victims. Okay, alleged. After host Annie Cohen reminded her of the actual victims in this case, Jane addressed the widows, orphans, and burn victims at the center of the fraud claims against her estranged husband, Tom Girardi. Um, hold on. So it just says that he allegedly embezzled millions of dollars. Um, and she said, how do you think I feel? Horrible. And I've said that over and over. Yet both Cohen and her castmates reminded her she hadn't actually expressed remorse during the season. And then, yeah, which is true. She hasn't said anything. It's just been like, look at me. Look at my life. She should have said, given some sort of blanket statement that covered her ass about everything. Um, Which she finally said, if anyone in these cases has been proven wrong, I want them remedied. She went on to insist she's not a victim. um, And Sutton kind of just said, like, you, you, you know, you were acting like a victim. And she's like, my life is upside down. How can I not be broken? Erica's just handling this whole thing completely wrong. And as I've said, um, when I had Zach Peter on, which, by the way, if you haven't listened to that episode, that's one of my favorite episodes I've ever done. We really uh, dug deep into the whole Erica Jane legal issues. So give that a listen if you haven't. But we both said it like we think it's possible she didn't know. We just don't know how the other half lives. We don't. If your husband has that much money and he's funding your lifestyle, you're not going to question it. I don't know. I mean, now I would. I have so much anxiety. I'd be like, where the hell is this money coming from? But if you're used to living that way for a certain amount of years, it's very possible she just didn't think to question it. So long story short, I do think in a sense she not is a victim because she's not a victim here. But it's I have compassion for the fact that her lifestyle changed so drastically and not even like she was rich and now she's not like. She left a marriage. It's just a lot of life changes, which adds a lot of stressors onto someone, which causes them to act out in all the wrong ways like she is. But the real victims here, allegedly, you know, I have to say that even though I think these people are clearly victims in all this, are the widows, orphans, burn victims who allegedly had their money stolen. Like that's she should have spoke out about that. She really should have. How about we get into Vanderpump Rules? There was a lot of interesting conversations going on this season. What I like about this show now, it's definitely evolved. And I know a lot of people dropped off because we lost some of those central cast members. But I think the past two episodes were kind of a snooze. But I think we're getting back on track there. Katie and Tom, we are having some really difficult discussions and this, you know, I'm about to talk about abortion and fertility. So if this is a trigger for you, you can skip ahead a little bit. I won't be offended. Like I want you, my bestie, to feel the best you can feel. So if if this is hard for you to hear, you skip ahead. I won't hold it against you at all. I got you, babe. I'm sending you a big hug if you have to skip ahead a little bit if this is hard for you. But We jumped into our first really difficult conversation this season. Apparently, Katie and Tom were going to have a baby at one point in the beginning of their relationship, or I shouldn't say they were going to have a baby. She was pregnant, right? And because of where they were in their relationship, it was still, 
they were together like about a year, over a year, I think they said. They didn't have as much money as they had now. This is probably when it was like prime sir serving days. You know, they were living off uh, her sir budget. He was modeling. They couldn't raise a baby, so she made the decision to have an abortion. It was a difficult decision. You could see the pain in both their eyes and just the raw emotion of that conversation. And I think that's probably weighing on their mind now because they're trying to have a baby. It's not happening for them. Of course, running through her head is she's probably thinking, like, is this punishment for me having aborted a child? Like, what would happen? That's got to be all running through her head. I give her so much credit for being so vulnerable this season. Love or hate Katie. She is doing the work this season. I feel like she's carrying a lot of it on her back. I know that Sandoval probably wants to think he's the one carrying the season on his back, but it's Katie. And before you come at me, let's let's organize it. Let's lay it all out on the table. She, of course, is having an active say in this Shorts and Sandy drama. That's reason one. She is the only one out of her friends to not be pregnant, and she's being open about that on TV. She is seeing a fertility doctor on TV, and now she is opening up about having had an abortion. So, Katie, does your back hurt, babe, for carrying this season? If so, I'm going to send you a little ice pack or a heating pad or an icy hot patch because you're doing a great job. You really are. That's not only the only um, uncomfortable conversation we had this episode. So they all went to the Belmont, which, by the way, is my one of my favorite bars in L.A. I, it was my favorite at one point, like my ultimate favorite. But I started going to this place, Rocco's, not the one in WeHo, but I think they're the same owners. Um, Rocco's Tavern in Studio City. Love that place. So it's one of my two favorite bars. If you're in L.A. and you need bar racks, hit me up. They're all there, um, and Lala and Brock confront each other because, remember, last episode it came out, or two episodes ago it came out that he hadn't seen his kids in four years, and Lala really had a difficult time with that. So we go more into that, and Brock's just like, yeah, you know, it's more than you think. Eventually he tells her there was a domestic violence case against him. Um, She hit him with a restraining order, and then... He couldn't see the kids. So he tells her this after everyone's at the Belmont. And then when they're all at Lisa's house for the little tea party, which was really adorable. That's when Lala brings it up at the table. So I'm looking at reality blurb now just so I can get direct quotes. Um, Let me read that to you. So Lala says, you know why he wasn't allowed to see his kids, correct? Um, Because their mom slammed him with a domestic violence charge. And then Sheena's like, well, he didn't do anything. And then Lisa hops in and is like, you know that? And Sheena says, I know everything. There was, there were a lot of things in their relationship that didn't go well. Um, And then, yeah, Lala just basically says, it does take a lot for a court to hold someone back from seeing their kids. So she's coming out of a place of concern. So she says, and that's kind of where the divide starts between the audience Um, On Watch What Happens Live, when Ariana was on, there was a poll, and it was like, whose side are you on, Brock or Lala's? And it was very much split down the middle, I think a little more leaning towards Lala, because people are arguing that Lala's not coming from a genuine place of concern. She's just doing this to get more camera time. I don't know. I think she really is concerned. I think at 
the very least, there is a basic level of concern there. Am I going to give her all credit and be like, she wouldn't make a storyline out of this? No. No, I think it's a very convenient storyline for her, as harsh as that sounds. But I do think she is concerned about Sheena, like coming from a very basic level of motherhood and womanhood. And knowing Sheena's history with men and how she falls too quickly, let's not forget the Penguin and Apple Watch of it all. You know, she doesn't want to see Sheena get into another relationship and it possibly end even worse than the other ones were. You know, she dealt with Shay, who had drug issues too. It's a pattern with Sheena. It's a pattern. Sheena, you know how I brought up relationship and attachment theories back when I was recapping Summer House and, and Lindsay tends to have an anxious attachment type. Sheena's that way too. She attracts these people that she needs to fix in a sort of way. And I, I just hate to see that happen with Brock. And I think that's where Lala's coming from. But again, I think also part of it is it's just a convenient storyline for her, knowing Sheena's history. So it could possibly, I'm a liberalizing, by the way. I see both sides to every situation. So yeah, there possibly could be a very much basic level of concern. I know I'm repeating myself, but I'm just processing all this out loud. And that was the the next fight, you know, everyone's arguing about that. But you know what just popped up in my head right now randomly? That at that tea party, the filter on Lisa's face, my God, it's like a Snapchat filter at this point. You're not fooling anyone. I met Lisa in real life. Her skin is not that smooth. And that's not meant to be mean. That's just meant to say you're not fooling anyone, Bravo. I wonder if that was worked out in her contract. Like, you must filter me. You must use the blur filter on my face at all times. And when I move away, you're going to see it obvious because the bushes in my backyard are going to be smooth over. You're not fooling anyone, Bravo. Ugh. Back to our difficult conversations. You know what the episode title is going to be? Difficult conversations during breakfast time. Because I'm hitting you with a lot at, at 1030 in the morning. I'm so sorry. So the girls were out with Lisa or they were out at Lisa's house. That was the girls day. And then the guys day were, was that they were all at Schwartz's house and they were trying to introduce American food to Brock, but he's been here forever. But still fun. They were having a bunch of fried food, barbecue, McDonald's, whatever. And then that's when Sheena texts him and tells him everything that's going on with Lala. And this is the scary part, okay? If you have these charges against you and you allegedly have a background of domestic assault against women, the way he talks Brock, he being Brock, talks about Lala in this scene is scary he's like cursing about her um he's saying you shouldn't make her out to be a deadbeat dad and all that but he's just angry and it's like dude if you're trying to come on tv and prove you can be a good guy and everything's fine this is not the way to go about it at all at all like just it was it was scary to watch I didn't like that I don't know how I feel about Brock right now, or I do know how I feel about Brock. I don't like him. I'm just going to say it. And I really hope that for Sheena and Summer's sake, that this all ends well. Because it's scary. Again, knowing Sheena's past and how easily she falls and just seeing Brock's actions and how upset he's getting. And he tried to be nice about it. Like, you know how when you have a nice guy and, and they try to be nice and then like you do something to piss him off and then they're like, well, you're ugly anyway. Like that's kind of 
textbook how Brock is acting in this situation. And I really don't like it. I just don't like it. You know? Um, other things I want to point out about this episode really quick. I do love how Raquel is coming out of her shell. That toast she gave. Remember when she played pickleball with Lala and her punishment for not winning was that she had to give a toast and say that when James proposed to her, she got so wet. She like absolutely killed the toast. She's coming out of her shell. She's gorgeous. That inner confidence is developing and we love to see it. And then the last note I wanted to make is that Tom's fashion, Tom Sandoval, more and more as the series goes on, it looks like he's auditioning for a role in Cirque du Soleil or he's Floop's assistant from Spy Kids or he is Floop from Spy Kids. That's it. Not assistant. It's like slowly but surely getting worse and worse. Like in the preview, he's wearing the vest and then like the derby hat. And I'm like, I definitely saw this in Cirque du Soleil. Oh, in Vegas. Okay. Number one guy in this group, not really. Number one guy at the Cirque du Soleil auditions. Your callback will be coming soon. I think this is a good place to leave it off. I've been all over the place this morning. I hope you've enjoyed these difficult conversations this morning. Go do something that lifts you up. <laughs> and remember to follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Diana Jebbia. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's crazy episode of the Believe in Bravo Besties podcast. Follow Believe at Believe Podcast and at Believe Pop Culture. Believe is spelled B-L-E-A-V. And I will talk to you next week, my sweet babe. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.